Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through to 21 says this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, all right, so everything that, that he has, that he has in his grasp, which is everything at the end of the day, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then Paul writes this doxology, probably one of my most favorite portions of Scripture in the Bible, and it says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, the Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you from the subject, a pastor's prayer. A pastor's prayer. As we look at what my prayer is, ultimately what, prayer, what Paul's prayer was for all of us, for each and every single one of us as we move into 2018. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we, we love you. We worship you. I pray right now that as we dig into your word that you would light it up for us. That it would come alive in our hearts and our minds. That our hearts would be open to you. That our ears would be listening to what it is that you're saying. Not even the words that are coming out of my mouth, but the words that you're speaking to us through your spirit. God, I ask right now that you would start to sharpen us, change us. That even as we stand on the eve of a new year, for many of us it represents a new beginning. For many of us it re represents a, a running away from this past year. And for many of us we're just simply indifferent about it. No matter where we're at in the spectrum this morning, God, would you please help us step into this new season ready to grab a hold of what it is that you have for us. We love you, and we worship you today. We give you this space and time. Speak to us. We're listening right now. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm a pastor. Uh, kind of. So, uh, <laughs> I'm a pastor. I've been in vocational ministry for, for 15 plus years now. Um, I consider, and, and if, you, if you are in my family, if you're a close friend of mine, you would know that I take, I take not very, like there's not too many things that I take seriously, but this I do take very seriously. Pastoring people I take very seriously. Um, I, I consider it a, a privilege, and not just a privilege, but I consider it an honor to, to be your pastor, to serve you um, in, in this capacity. When we planted the church, when we planted the well, um, if, I'm, if I'm honest with you, I had a lot of different ideas of what a pastor was what a pastor is. And for many of us, we, we do. Um, we can come into this place and you hear the term pastor, or even outside the, the walls of a church, you can hear the term pastor and a lot of different thoughts come up as to, as to what it is. For some of us, we simply think a pastor is a CEO, which I hope to God not because like, I'm a horrible CEO. Okay? Um, for, for some of us, we see pastors as just, just this kind of like setback person who just chills and, and, and prays and reads their Bible all the time, and, and that's kind of some of what it is, but not, not completely true. Um, there's a lot of different things that go into it, and so I set out to, to kind of figure out, like, what does it mean to, to pastor people? And Jesus gives us a really good kind of framework for what it means to pastor people, and that is simply shepherd them. 
right? To be a, to be a shepherd. And, and we are all sheep underneath his, his shepherding abilities. But then as pastors, our, our job is to hopefully shepherd to the best of our abilities a, a church. And so on that journey of, of, of looking at this and, and what it means to, to lead and, and to shepherd people, I come across Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. This is Paul the Apostle writing to a church that we know he loved dearly. One of my favorite letters in the Bible, Ephesians, so many brilliant things in it theologically and doctrinally, but at the end of the day, you see the passion in the heart for these, for these people. And I think so many times we can get lost in everything. We can get lost in our theology, we can get lost in our doctrine, and forget about simply loving people, right? And this is Paul right here saying how much he loves people, and this is his prayer. This is his prayer for, for that church, and I think for many other churches. And so it was on that journey that I come across Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, and I fall in love with this prayer. And this is my prayer for the well this year. I'm simply stealing it. I'm ripping it off, if that's okay with you. I did not make it up. He made it up. It's great, okay? And so it's through that lens, through, through a pastor's heart, a, a loving pastor's heart, I want to read this just one more time, because I think we can like just keep on reading scripture, and that should be good enough, right? But I want you to now listen through, through that framework, through that lens, what it is that Paul, Paul is saying. We're going to read it one more time, okay? He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Notice he's not just having like this prayer session in his kitchen over coffee. He's not standing around. He's not sitting. He says, I bow my knees. It's a posture of passion. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a powerful prayer. It's an amazing prayer. And so what I want to do this morning with that in mind is I want to take a look at four things that is found right here in this piece of scripture that Paul's praying, that I'm praying now for every single one of us. Not the, not the four walls of this place, the, the church, the community of people, right? The flesh and blood of this thing, every single one of us. So this is my prayer, this is Paul's prayer, and I pray that this, this prayer would shape our minds and our hearts and our lives as we step into 2018. Does that sound good? All right, I need your help this morning. Every shot, number one. Number one, first one is this. His first, his first thing that he pray, prays for is internal strengthening, Internal strengthening. One of my professors called it um, intestinal fortitude. I like that. It's kind of cool. Intestinal fortitude. Name my next child that. Uh, intestinal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be fun? Hey, intestinal fortitude, come to dinner. Um, just remind us all the time. <laughs> internal <laughs> strengthening. Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. See, it's one thing to have outer strength. There's a lot of dudes in here in all of our services with, with outer strength, and, and women as well, just, just so you know. My wife can beat me up, let's be honest. And so, <laughs> 2018 is going to represent for many of us this journey that we're going to go on to improve our external 
right? Our, our outward strength. We're going to join the gym or we're going to start running marathons or we're going to start doing this, that, or the other. But notice Paul's prayer is not for us to become outwardly strong. Paul's prayer is for us to become inwardly strong. To have an internal strengthening take place. And I think that is so important for us as we enter into 2018. Because you can get as strong as you want to on the outside, but with no inner strength, the storms of life will still knock you down. The spiritual battles that we face in 2018 will still knock us down if there is not an internal strengthening taking place. If you need it, simply put, we got to get buff on the inside. we got to get buff on the inside this year. And I know there's some storms that I've walked through in 2018, and I know for many of you, I've sat with you and had coffees and lunches and, 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 and heard your story and, and, and have watched your journey, and there's some stuff that has gone on in 2017, and I'll be, I've got to be honest with you, there's probably some stuff that's going to go on in 2018 as well in your life, but here's the difference. Do I have the ability to face 2018 with some strength because I've done some reps on the inside? I've done some, it doesn't matter how much you bench press. It doesn't matter how much you can squat and deadlift. If there's not internal fortitude on the inside, if there's nothing going on in here, we will not stand in the storms of life. Paul highlights this again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. He says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are are unseen. For the things that are are seen, they're transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I love that. See, Paul's presenting to us the duality of our lives. The outer man and the, the inner man. And see, for most of us, we spend the majority of our time working on the outer man. The things that we can touch and feel and, and see. While neglecting the inner The problem that we then experience in our life is is the frustration that ensues when things seem to be falling apart. You've been there before? And then you say this, I've been working on myself. But how many of you know you can work on yourself, the outside, as much as you want to, but if there's no inner strengthening there, it doesn't matter how much work you've been doing on the inside, you will crumble underneath the weight of it all. So we got to get strong on the inside. The problem is that we can work as much as we want to, but if we neglect this inner place, then the storms have a tendency to knock us down. This is the challenge. Many of us will set out in 2018 to improve our bodies, our financial patterns, our relational statuses, and our mental dexterity. We're going to read books and go to the gym and change our eating habits, and those are all grand and noble things, for sure, 100%. We're going to do that in our family. But above all else, I want to challenge us. I want to encourage us. This is, this is a pastor's prayer, remember, that all of us would seek Jesus and in doing so be working on internal strengthening, that we would get buff on the inside. I want to challenge us as we head into 2018. Don't just focus on the outer man. Make the inner man a priority. This is why Bible reading and prayer and worship and being at church and being a part of a table group or a team is so important. These are the things and many other things that sharpen and develop our inner person. When you have to forgive someone, that's a rep. That's a big rep. That's a deadlift, a 400-pound rep, right? When you have to extend grace to someone, that's a rep. Those are reps. That's how our internal strengthening takes place. For some of you, this year, worship is going to be an important thing. 
2017 was the year your worship was silent. You just stand there, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with it. This year, I want to challenge you. Just sing four words. Oh, praise the name. Done. <laughs> Done. It's a rep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rep. It really is. For some of you, 2017 was a year that you didn't crack this thing open whatsoever. It's okay. I get it. So I just want to like, even this year, as crazy it can be, just simply open it. Like just Leviticus. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Maybe start in the Gospels. <laughs> but even just five minutes a day. Seriously, this is, this is, that's a rep. Some of us are afraid of prayer because we think it's supposed to sound like Shakespeare and have big words involved. No, just simply say, what's up, Jesus? So we got to start something. These are reps. And this is where internal strength can come. This is, this is the mechanism. You don't just walk into a gym for those of us who, who kind of, you're going to start. Many of you, you're going to start your plan. All right, I'm going to get into a gym, and it's going to be like five days a week, and you're going to go over to the big boy section, and you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> right? No, you get, you get to start with something, right? Simply just walking in through the doors. I'd encourage you, if you're trying to start your gym routine, just simply go one day, walk around the building. That's it. Just walk in, walk around. What's up, guys? And then walk out. That's day one. Day two, stand on the treadmill. Don't run on it. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> if anybody asks, you'd be like, I'm working myself into this. <laughs> We're getting there. I, 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 think, I think for so many of us, we make this issue, and everything that I'm going to be talking about this morning, we make it so complicated. We, we really do. And for many of us, we never progress in our faith with Jesus because we put this like high and lofty systematic approach on it that at the end of the day, like anything else, we fail at. Right? So as your pastor this morning, I'm telling you, just five minutes. Just five minutes. No, i got to study for four, four hours a day, and i got to labor over it and, and write things down because, it, no, f- five minutes. Five minutes. It'll be amazing what God can do with five minutes. Remember, it's about him, not us. <laughs> it's amazing what he can do. And so this internal strength is what Paul's talking about. Why? Because if we don't understand, if we don't get strong on the inside with doing some reps, then these storms of life nail us. I want to contend with you this year. I know some of us are fighting for some stuff this year. We're fighting for marriages. We're fighting over addictions. We're fighting for this. We're fighting for that. We're contending. We want to see. We're wrestling through these things. I want to wrestle with you, and I want to see you win. I want to see you overcome. I want to see restoration, and I want to see miracles, and I want to see healing, and I want to see all of those things, but it's going to take some internal strengthening to do so, to make it happen. We've got we to see in, in, in that internal strengthening comes through engaging Jesus. Number two, every shot, number two. Spiritual deepening. So Paul prays for, for internal strengthening, and then he, then he digs in, and he goes, let's, let's get some spiritual depth to take place now. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell, he uses this word, dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in, in, in love. And we'll, we'll stop there. This is the next part of Paul's prayer. 
that we would experience spiritual deepening. In other words, our faith, belief, and spiritual experience would have depth and substance. I want depth and substance in my walk with Jesus, right? I don't want it to just be something I check off on like uh, Facebook, Christian. <laughs> and for a lot of us, that, that, that's kind of like where we, we stop. I'm, I'm a Christian on Facebook, and if somebody like, like oh, okay, well, I'm, uh, what do you believe in? Uh, I'm Christian. And it kind of uses a blanket statement, and I, and I show up to church on Sundays and everything. Can I just tell you something? If the Sunday experience is the pinnacle of your spirituality, we have a problem. And that's coming from a pastor. Like, show up still. That's important. <laughs> Next week's everybody, oh, he said don't come. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. It's important. This should be the rally point for us, right? This should be like the huddle before the big game, which is influencing our city and our neighbors and our loved ones and our friends and, and the places that we've been called to minister. They look like hospitals and, and business places and schools and, and at homes. That's the place where we get to be in our pulpit. Sunday, we get together and we get encouraged and we get strengthened and we get hoorahed and everything like that. And then we release. We breathe in right here and then we breathe out and we go do everything that God has called us to do for the rest of the week. And then we come back in and we get energized and we get strengthened but this is not the pinnacle that deepening has to happen day in and day out we got to have some more substance to our spirituality and so Paul right here employs just in that in that verse verse 17 employs three different descriptors to help us understand what spiritual deepening looks and feels like the first word that he uses is dwell every shot dwell dwell every shot dwell dwell right this word dwell is best described uh, as Dr. Kenneth Woust, professor at the Moody Bible Institute of Chicago and scholar of Christian New Testament. In other words, just a really smart dude. Um, <laughs> he says of this word, the word dwell that Paul uses is to settle down and feel at home. I love that. This is what he's saying. So that Christ, listen, may dwell. In other words, that Christ would settle down and feel at home in our hearts. I love that idea. For some of us, Christ is just an acquaintance in our heart. It's getting quiet in church this morning. <laughs> He's the weird neighbor that we invited over because we felt like we needed to. But Paul is saying the prayer is that that Christ would dwell, that he would feel comfy. In other words, Christ would come into our heart and he would start, he, hey, let's just rearrange some furniture today. Can we repaint that wall over there? Like he's so comfy in our lives that he can actually start doing some stuff in us. This word dwell, to make a home, a residence, to set up shop. That's deepening. That Christ would dwell in our hearts. We see this in Luke chapter 17, I think, illustrated by Jesus, what it looks like, what happens. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was, was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. It's the Bible's PC way of saying he was small um, and short. They thought that was funnier in the 9 a.m. So he... <laughs> 
<laughs> so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now watch what happens. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a, a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I have defrauded anyone of, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, for many of us, we're searching and trying to do behavior modification in place of allowing Jesus to dwell in our hearts. If I just perform, if I just do this, if I, if I get five easy keys and nine simple steps and I, and I read a book or two this year, then maybe I can overcome these problems. And while systematic approaches to things is, is good and can help, can I tell you, at the end of the day, change like Zacchaeus happens when Jesus just simply says, I'm gonna come live in your house. I'm gonna dwell with you. I love that Zacchaeus, his automatic response to Jesus was like, I want to change. That's really cool. And I think for some of us this year, there's some stuff in me that I want to see changed. Come on. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, hopefully, if you're like me, there's some stuff that you see in you that you want to change this year. But can I tell you, it's not going to be five easy steps and nine keys and this, that, or the other. It's going to be Jesus dwelling in a spiritual deepening. The second word that he uses in verse 17 is this word rooted. Paul then moves from a living illustration to one found in botany, and he likens the deepening of our spiritual lives to being rooted. And one of the best explanations that we have on this in Scripture is found in Psalm 1, 1 through 3. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. Rooted. Your roots go down deep. So Paul's saying in order for spiritual deepening to take place in our life, his prayers, pastoral prayer, in order for this to happen, Christ must dwell in us. He must be comfy in our hearts. But we also have to have roots that go down deep. And I think this is hard for our generation because we are a transient generation. Words like commitment. Ooh. We all just get hives thinking about it. <laughs> commitment. Oh. Settling down. Oh. Right? Responsibility. Oh. <laughs> Vertigo just set in. <laughs> all of these things. Because why? We just want to kind of do and, and be and, and live. But roots go down deep. And roots are strengthened because it's when we are committed and when we lay our lives down, that's when strength takes place. I've put my roots down in this marriage. She's put her roots down in this marriage. And so when we, when we contend, right, when we have holy disagreements, <laughs> when we argue, all right, come on, let's just get it straight, Right? None of us are backdooring it. Well, you know, in the next argument, I'm out of here. No, no, our roots have gone down deep. Christ is dwelling in our hearts. And so in that, we contend and we work through things, and it strengthens us. 
Commitment strengthens us. And so commit to Christ this year. This is the thing. Christ is committed to us. Let's commit to him. I'm going to fight for this as much as he's fought for me. Think about that. Someone once said, in kind of some like discipleship phases that I was in in my life, someone once said, and I thought it was a really powerful statement, because people freak out, right? So we will do our life the way that we do our life, and then we'll come to Jesus, and we expect Jesus to change it all in one day. And someone once said, if you gave the devil this long, (laughs) why do you expect it to be different over here? Can God work miracles? Yes, 100%. So why don't we, if I'm going the, the, to give the enemy of my soul this long in my life, then I better be prepared to dedicate this next portion of my life for Christ to effectively work in me. Right? It's not because he's not powerful. It's because he wants to get into the little tiny crevices. Right? The little tiny, have you ever had a root canal before? Oh, man. Root canals are nasty. Last Thanksgiving, my tooth just started going crazy. It was awful. And of course it was on Thanksgiving Day, so we had to do an emergency like root canal situation. And so the doctor, the next day, he opened up his, he opened, and I was in pain, so he opened up his office and we got there and he like injected me as quick as he possibly, I was like, give me the stuff, right? <laughs> so finally all of the, all the pain goes away and he's like, you need a root, like, you need a root canal really, really bad. And I was like, awesome, thanks, man. And so he got me prepped, he got some of it, and then I went into, into my other dentist the, the following day after that and got the rest of the root canal done. And it was interesting listening to him talk because he was like, man, you've got some roots that really go deep, right? You've got some things. That, and so he had to use all those little tiny tools that he's like shoving into your tooth right down the, like the root canal, like the cavity of the root. I'm doing this on purpose so you get, get the point. It's called illustrative flair. But so for many of us, we've rooted ourselves in past behaviors, right, and habits and all these different things. So, so Christ is doing something in us. He is extracting roots and replanting roots. He's extracting from here and replanting in here. That's a process. That's why Paul says work out your salvation daily. It's a process. And I want to invite all of us onto further process this year in Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm going to walk out that process just as much as we're going to walk out that process, just as much as you're going to work out that process. So let's walk it out together. This is the pastor's prayer. So he says rooted, and then the last one is this, grounded. This is the third word and point two only. Um, <laughs> Paul then moves from that to employ an architectural term. And he uses this term grounded, and it speaks to the foundation of our lives and how spiritual depth solidifies on a strong and firm foundation that our life can be built upon. Jesus speaks to this then in Matthew chapter 7. He says, everyone then who has ears to hear these words of mine and and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on, on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The Greek there is Dwayne Johnson. And everyone who hears these words of mine, <laughs> Happy New Year, does not do them. He'll be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. <laughs> Listen, foundation. If Christ dwells in us, he sets up shop. He then 
extracts and replaces. And he helps us build this foundation. So Paul's second prayer for us is that we would find spiritual deepening. Everybody shout number three. The third one is this, practical apprehension. I love that. Practical apprehension. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 says this, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Now the English word comprehend is used here, and it doesn't really capture what Paul is trying to get across. When I say the word comprehend, many of us think just simple mental assent, right? We go to comprehend something, oh yeah, I get it. But really what Paul is, is trying to dive into, and a better word for comprehend would be apprehend. To grab a hold of, not just mentally ascend who Christ is and what he's done in our life, but to grab a hold of him. I've got three children. I've got a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-month-old. And I was thinking back the other day because uh, my, my little four-month-old, she's amazing and she's starting to move around a lot. And it's like the, it's starting to enter the, the, the fun part of it all, right? When she's a baby, I, I, I'm just like, what do I do? And so... I hand off all the time, and, and as she gets older and starts moving around, and she's cooing and, 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 and starting to become more vibrant, I, I love this time, and so I'll sit her on my lap on the couch, and she'll be looking at everything, and I'll put my hands in front of her like this, and she'll kind of like put her hands, and, and she's trying to play with things and everything, it's really cool to see her tiny little hand in my, my, my hand, and, and it's just like this cool bonding moment. Something happened about two months ago that I'll never forget, and it's happened with every single one of my child, and it's the thing that melts my heart most about having children. It's when my child goes from simply playing with something and touching something to the first time she grasps my fingers. I'll never forget it. Every single kid did it. Would grab a hold, like, and, and she doesn't let go of it. And it just melts me on the inside. And as a dad, I love it when my kids move from just simply recognizing me and understanding that I'm there to grabbing a hold of me. And it's in that moment that they feel the security, hopefully, that a father brings, the love that a father brings. They feel all those things in that, that grasp. Paul's prayer is practical apprehension that God, that our faith wouldn't be just something in a museum or a piece of art on a wall or this ethereal concept or a box that we check off, but God, our faith, Jesus, that he would be practically apprehended, that we would grab a hold of him and be in 2018 gripped to him with everything that we are. It's practical apprehension. There's strength in that. There's power in that. And I think so many times we can just see Christ as, a, as an artifact, as a historical concept, as something that those people believe in. But what happens if we were to grab a hold of Jesus in 2018? What happens if we were to take our marriages and we were to grab a hold of Christ in our marriages? We were to grab a hold of Christ in our, in our finances. We were to grab a hold of, of Christ in our thinking, in our behaving, and in our being. We were to grab a hold and say, I am not letting go of you, Jesus. I'm going to keep on pressing. I'm going to keep on pushing. I am not letting go of you. To apprehend what he has for me. To apprehend who he is for me. There's power in Christ. There's power and purpose that's attached to each of our lives in him. And 2018 can simply be a year that we just kind of mosey on into and great. Or 2018 can be a year that we step into with assuredness and passion and hope because we've 
apprehended Christ for our lives. So Paul says, look, there needs to be some intestinal fortitude, some inner strength. There needs to be spiritual depth that takes place. There needs to be practical apprehension. And then the last one is this, number four, complete fullness. Paul's prayer is complete for complete fullness. And he says this in Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love that. But here's the paradox. Fullness is only experienced as we are emptied out. Fullness is only possible as we lay ourselves empty. I have a weird habit when it comes to speaking. I don't eat before I speak. Um, one of my professors taught me a long time ago when I was in college. He said, always step in, I love this idea, always step into the pulpit hungry. Because where hunger is, there's passion, right? Because you're hungry, or there's, or there's anger, too. Um, <laughs> now that I think about it, I don't know if his thing works. Um, I don't want to be angry when I'm preaching. Um, but he says, always step into the pulpit hungry so that you can help others hunger for Christ. And I've always, that's, always, that's always been like a concept for me as I, as I step in and I preach every single weekend. So you wonder like why I shout all the time? It's because I'm hungry. And so... Um, <laughs> But I've noticed something. So Christmas Eve comes along. We do four services all, after, like all through the afternoon. And then last service is at 545. And I got home. And I was starving, like, like, like hungry. My kids are running to me. They're like, Dad. And I'm like, food, right? <laughs> so I didn't even like hug anybody. I was just like out of the way, out of the way, out of the way, out of the way. And I went straight for what I could get into me. Why? Because I, like, I was empty. Like I was hungry. There was nothing left in me. I needed to be filled. And that is what Paul is saying is that when we empty ourselves, when there is nothing left of me, now we have the capacity for Christ to fill us. And for many of us, we're saying, Christ, you can only fill like a third of me. This year in 2018, what would it look like if we emptied ourselves? What would it look like if we, if we stepped back and said, I'm giving everything? Paul, or excuse me, John would say this. He would say that Christ must increase and I myself must, must decrease. Paul would then talk about this as he talks about the spirit learning to take control. Like there's these two worlds that are, that are conflicting in my life and I got to allow the spirit of God to do what the spirit of God's supposed to do in me and I got to get my flesh out of the way. You can paint it however you want to paint it, but here's the deal. This is the, the real on it is that to empty ourselves puts us in a place where Christ can fill us. To be hungry. So Luke chapter 6 verses 37 through 38. Says this, Jesus speaking, he says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38 says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Interesting piece of scripture. Some of us who have been in church for a while or around faith for a while would have heard this verse many, many, many times be used of simply giving of our material items. 
I want us to move away from that reality because it's not really what Jesus is driving at. Is that a part and a portion of our lives? Yeah, 100%. But he's not talking about that right here. What he's talking about when he says the measure you use will be measured back to you, he's talking about the emptying of ourselves. Notice he's talking about forgiving and, and, and not condemning. So what is he talking about? He's talking about personal issues. And he's saying, look, if we can learn to be the type of people that empty ourselves out, the measure that we use of the emptying of ourselves creates the measure that he has to then fill us up so that it's pouring over, it's running over, it's bountiful in nature. I love that idea. When you empty yourself, Christ has the ability to fill you back up with everything that you need. And so in 2018, church, I want to encourage us. Could this be the year that we experience greater strengthening on the inside? That we experience greater depth to our spirituality? That we apprehend Christ to a greater measure? And that we experience the fullness that is found in Him? I want to be full this year. Not like sick full. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Most of us experienced that these past few weeks. Um, But full running over, so so that pours over. What does it pour over into? Pours over into our family. It pours over into our marriage. It pours over into our friendship. It pours over into our workplace. I love that idea. What if the fullness of Christ in us was running over so much that people in our just walk by. People are like, what's different about you? They're experiencing the fullness. I love that idea. What if my marriage could experience the fullness of, of Christ? That would change the game. You know why? Because pride and anger and frustration, all that stuff, that doesn't have a place to live and dwell when there's something else, when there's a fullness, right? When there's a fullness, none of those things can reside. I want to be full in Christ. And so we empty ourselves out. This year, pride's got to go. This year, bitterness has got to go. This year, addiction has to go. This year, anger and frustration has to go. This year, anxiety has to go. This year, fear has to go. This year, depression has to go. This year, all the things that are not found in who Christ is, it has to go. Why? Because he's saying, I want to replace it. I want to fill you with goodness and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. I want to fill you. But all the other things have to go. i got to empty myself. And it's hard because some of that stuff makes us who we are, right? But what if this year in 2018, Christ made us who we are? And so that's a pastor's prayer. It was Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. It's my prayer for all of us. And please hear this weekend. It's not my prayer for all of you. It's my prayer for all of us. Good pastor, yeah, absolutely. I'm down. Let's do that. I'm involved with that. Because we're all on a journey together, right? That's what this thing is about. It's not like this person's got it better or this person's like, they're, they're way better. No. It's all of us working this journey out together. 
Church doesn't have to be this distant, stoic place that we go to that's like religious in nature. Church can be a place. It's a family, y'all. It's a family. We walk it out. We work it out together. And then as the church experiences the fullness of Christ, oh, that's when it gets good, baby. That's when it all starts flowing out of here and it starts blessing our city. We start blessing our workplaces. We start blessing our schools. And the city change happens where we start to experience the fullness of Christ. So let's get full. Let's be full in him. But how do we do it? We empty ourselves. Pour it out. Like the red hot chili peppers said. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. <laughs> Come on, would you stand to your feet with me as we pray?